Welcome to the Terrible Podcast with your host from SteelersDepot.com, where you can find all your latest and greatest Steelers news. It's Dave Bryan and Alex Kazora, always lit, talking Steelers. And now, here's Dave and Alex. Welcome to the Terrible Podcast Season 14, Episode Number 45. He's Dave Bryan. I'm Alex Kazora, SteelersDepot.com. Welcome back to the Terrible Podcast here for this Friday edition, this Victory Friday for the Pittsburgh Steelers as they knocked off the Tennessee Titans 20-16 Thursday Night Football at Acrisure Stadium. Pittsburgh now 5-3 and three on the season. Dave, there are so many storylines to talk about from this game. Pre-game, post-game, after the game. I don't know where to begin, but it's a win all the same. I'm tired, boss. <laughs> you're, you're laying in the end zone right now. Yeah, and I'm not tired because I only got like two hours. Of, uh, you know, laid down for about two hours. I just... Uh, Man, it's exhausting <laughs> watching watching this for sixty minutes. But uh, uh, the Pittsburgh Rock Throwers did it again, knocking off the uh, Tennessee Stone Throwers. Uh, <laughs> Lord, have mercy! Do we have a lot to talk about uh, here? But uh, uh, how's this for a bumper sticker? The uh, sustaining the unsustainable. Uh, two uh, or two thousand and twenty-three Steelers sustaining the un 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 un, un what's the word uh, unsustainable. unsustainable? Yeah, I can. Yeah, so many S's <laughs> in there and all like that. Uh, all right, where would you like to begin? Uh, look, W is a W, right? That's that's the main advanced. That's an advanced metric that we often overlook. Mm, the hidden factor, the W yeah. is the W, and that has been the theme of Pittsburgh season. All five of their wins have been by seven or, or fewer points, and they've all been close, tight games, and this one, no exception. So I guess to kind of start things off here, Dave, just more of a pregame standpoint, Cam Hayward activated from injured reserve and put on the 53-man roster. Roster He played uh, a substantial amount in this game. I don't have the exact snap count top of my head right now. I know TJ Watt said post game that the plan was to put Cam on a on a you know number of snaps in this game, and then typical Cam Hayward fashion, you get through the game. Watt says Watt says I took the wrapper off, and Hayward just played until he couldn't play anymore. So uh, that was of course a huge boost to try to minimize Derrick Henry this Titans run game, and so it was really good to see number ninety seven back on the field. Yeah, fifty five percent of the snaps I think overall. What what I put on Twitter like uh, uh, how many in total here? Was it 41? Uh, I just put it out there a little while ago and I already forgot forgot what the number was here. It uh, sounds about right. Yeah, yeah, 55% of the snaps. So, uh, look, I mean, for a first game back, uh, you'd have to think that that number is 40, 41 snaps on Thursday night, 55% of all defensive snaps total. So you have to think that uh, that that number will climb after this long, you know, after this long week. You got uh, you get back in football shape a little bit there and uh, uh, ready to roll. So, yeah, uh, I I imagine the plan was to start him off kind of lower than that, but he just he just kept going. So good for him. Yeah, he can keep going. You're not going to be the the person, the coaching staff, the team to tell that guy that that can't be out there anymore. So before kickoff even happened and before we can even begin recapping this 20 to 16 victory for the Steelers, two other big pregame storylines. One, 
a new location for Matt Canada. It's not at a Wendy's as people probably want him, want him to be at. It was on the sideline. Uh, he's been a, a, an OC that's been up in the coach's box for his entire tenure in Pittsburgh. But for the first time, they moved him to the sideline for this game. And we can talk about the results and if it was you know, helpful and it's a little hard to quantify. Obviously, nobody can truly know how helpful it is, you know, sideline versus being up in the box and both have their pros and cons. But we've talked about that before, Dave, that, you know, personally, I'm a fan of having the coaches on the sideline for you know, communication, eye contact, talk to the entire group. I just think it's the way the coaches should uh, should coach overall. So I imagine that will continue going forward. But that was one notable change made prior to Thursday night's game. They should have took your advice uh, a couple of weeks ago when you wrote that post about it, right? You know, uh, what was that? Week three, week four? I forget uh, uh, when exactly it was. But uh, look, I, I, you know, I'd be lying if I know exactly uh, uh, how, how that may have helped or, 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 you know, uh, didn't help or, or to what degree there, but, uh, you know, a different dynamic there. And they obviously did it for a reason, right? You just, you just, mm-hmm. uh, you're not just going to say, ah, oh, you know what? I'm, I feel like stretching my legs tonight. Going to get down there on the sideline there. I just think you had the more of that personal one-on-one interaction can, can talk kind of face to face and show them the tablet and, 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 and those kind of things. And, you know, they even kept Mike Sullivan down there as well, too. I kind of wondered maybe if Canada go went, went, went down and maybe Sullivan would go up or something like that. But, uh, 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 kept both of them, them on the sideline there. And look, I mean, the, the end result is, you know, the offense looked a lot better. You know, uh, uh, I thought Matt Canada say whatever you will about the score being low still and, 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 and all like that, uh, that, that was probably the single best game that he's called in all of his time with this team, I think. And the fast start. How about that? Right. I mean, an opening drive touchdown for the first time since week 15 last year. And does that have any correlation to being on the sideline versus upstairs? Maybe less so for a first drive where it's already kind of scripted out the best that you, you know, that you can. Um, it probably means more during the course of the game. But regardless, you saw a really positive, tangible result of improvement. Now, the rest of the game certainly had its issues. I think, again, just on first watch, that was more player execution. Kenny Pickett's first half struggles than it was more the play calling of Matt Canada, but that was a really big achievement for this offense to finally start a game by putting the ball in the end zone. You know what? We was talking the other day, man, just start the game and, and, and get a couple first downs and move the football a little bit and, and, and at least get some get some yardage underneath your belt, you know, for them to come out and, 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 and go down the field like that and get a touchdown. I mean, that, uh, that, w- uh, look, I, I got to admit at that point, I thought, I, th- I thought the way they started on that opening drive and how about the balls to, uh, take the football right off the, you know, make, right. make the decision to, to come out and say, uh, we want the ball, you know, uh, I, I would, I would have, bet you dollars to donuts that they wanted to toss and they would have put their defense out there first. But, uh, for them to do that, I, I have to admit after that first drive, I thought, uh-huh, this is going to be one of the, they're, they're going to blow them out. I, th- I thought for sure they were going to blow them out. 
uh, at that point. Obviously, I, I I know better than to think that, but that was my initial thought. Man, this you know they're clicking going on down the field there. This crowd's going to be amped up. I already had a good idea that the, the defense was probably going to eat pretty good in the pass rush and all like that. But uh, uh, we need need to see more of that. You know, obviously, you're not going to finish every first drive uh, with a touchdown, at least you don't think they are. But uh, just get a couple first downs, get 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 through a good portion of that script there. And look, you'll say what you will about and what we have going to have talk a little bit about Kenny and, and his performance in this game. Uh, he he avoided pressure on on. I think it was one of those third down plays. Right. And kept the drive alive, uh, uh, which was a, a very key play in that opening drive. I believe that was the completion to Allen Robinson, mm-hmm. I want to say, on that that third down there. So, yeah, um, you know, I, I thought that first drive was rhythmic. We saw more RPOs in this game than I feel like we've seen the entire season. Um, you saw, you know, the, the run game get going and, and this team stay out of some third and long situations. But I think also, you know, we're able to work out of a, an and long situation. They took a penalty for an eligible downfield on a busted RPO, put them in first and 15. They worked their way back and they converted. So that first drive really had everything, the pass game, the run game, short yardage type stuff, red zone, goal line type stuff, you know, work out a first and 15 and, you know, not let a, a penalty kill your drive. So that to me, that that opening possession kind of showed what this offense is capable of being. How far away do you think we are before you can get tattoos of uh, animated GIFs where they actually (laughs) animate on you? Oh, Uh, God. What are you getting here, Dave? I'm getting getting that power touchdown run. (laughs) Pulling guard. (laughs) Oh, boy, there's not a lot not to like about that one. Uh, Broderick Jones uh, climbing to the second level. Uh, Sayamalo on the pull. Uh, a nice turn inside by James Daniels and, and, and Mason Cole. And, and you got big old uh, Darnell Washington with a big old wide base uh, feet spread, uh, uh, keeping, you know, keeping that end closed off over there. Uh, that, that was a nice hole. And then Najee gets to the second level, able to uh, run forward with power and bust through into the end zone there. So if they ever, if they ever come up with a way to put animated gifts on a body, I, that that's probably one of the ones I'd look at getting. You'll be first in line. And that's something else that we've advocated for Davis, the pulling guards. We did not see it the first three, four weeks of the season, literally once in terms of true power. And now they've run more dart, more gap. Uh, you've seen crunch maybe used a bit too often, but this team has kind of gotten away from such a core of zone runs, still some of course, but they've realized they're not a good zone running team. They're not good on that track in terms of communicating and, working to the second level and trying to pass things off based on how the D-line plays it. So they've gotten back to kind of some more old-school, tr- traditional Pittsburgh Steelers power football, and it's working. Why didn't we see that earlier in the year with the with the guards pulling it all? It's a good question. I'm, I'm not sure. I think Pittsburgh, maybe Pat Meyer has the personality of his own scheme. I think that's kind of what he gravitates towards, and they felt like they had the athletes and the guys who could do it with, you know, the addition of, say, Amalu and, and Daniels and Cole having a solid 2022 season. But for whatever reason, it just has not been effective throughout most of the season. And, you know, uh, you know we, we, we've we also talked on this podcast, you know, when, when they're struggling there to, to mix in some RPOs on that. I thought they did a good job of that. I didn't like that long one later in the game, the long throw over to Pickett. I mean, Pickens mm-hmm. over on the left side there. It took way too long for uh, for that to kind of develop and all like that. But for the most part, they mixed that in nicely. If we, if we could ever see this team do, figure out the screen game, uh, 
you know, that, that, that's probably the next part of it that they need to get down uh, as far as that goes. Cause I think they're leaving a lot of yards out there by, by not being able to run that effectively uh, on one of the, on one of the RPO uh, uh, though, that it just, it just got all, uh, I think it was in the first drive, wasn't it? Uh, it was uh, just, the the uh the screen pass wasn't there and he had to eat it and linemen were already down the field and it just uh that one collapsed real real quick there but uh are we uh are we burying the lead here with broderick jones did we talk oh, yeah, about i was gonna that? i was gonna go there right now since you mentioned on that touchdown the block that broderick jones had there's a reason why we're talking about broderick jones is that a couple hours before kickoff it was announced or reported that broderick jones was going to start a right tackle over Chuck Wuma Corfor. Um, now the initial reporting said Chooks was banged up, but as as Corfor said after the game that he was apparently benched because of something that he said at the end of the Jaguars game. We don't know what that was. He said it was on the field after the game. Mike Tomlin asked about the decision, did not talk about that. He just talked about um, wanting to, to provide a spark. So it seems like he did not want to give the real reason a Corfor did. And while we don't know all the details of what it was, it was basically him being in Tomlin's doghouse for saying something that Tomlin did not appreciate. <laughs> he picked the wrong week to do that, didn't he? Uh, <laughs> because I, I, I got to admit, I kind of raised my eyebrow once, once, once the news got out there that he was going to start. I'm thinking, why, you know, a we didn't know the full reason at the time until after the game, uh, why uh, the change was made. But I'm thinking. And that's a guy that played left tackle, you know, all, 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 all you know, all through college except for practice at right tackle, and uh, was kind of questioning why they were going that route. But uh, you get on into even the TV tape now. The all twenty-two is dropped, and I've spot, you know, I've kind of flown through that, so I haven't hyper focused or anything. But I, Broder Jones played well, and I, I, I at this point. Uh, I don't see how you go away from that, uh, at, at, uh, uh, especially going into a long week right now. I, I think it's up for uh, debate on on what you do at left tackle. But, I mean, he played such a good game at right tackle, looked really, really uh, comfortable over there. I guess the argument could be made. All right, well, switch you know switch him now over to the left side. But I mean, he looked really, really good over there. And I think Kenny Pickett said after the game that he just, you know, told him, "Hey, you know, you're gonna make mistakes. Just, you know, just, just keep working through them and all like that." Uh, once again, I haven't hyper focused on it. You know, whatever mistakes he made, well, I'm sure we'll find them maybe by the end mm -hmm. of the week. But, but it, it didn't seem like there were many of them. Nothing huge. Now the question is, you know, point taken on can you bench your Broderick Jones again? we had that conversation exiting week five when he played well in uh, replacing Dan Moore off that knee injury. And I don't think Pittsburgh still has the intention to really bench Dan Moore right now. So the question, the question is just, do you go with a core four or Jones? And I really don't know which way it's going to go. You're right. It's hard to really justify from an on-field perspective benching Jones, but a core four is getting paid a ton of money. Um, and I don't think his play has been bad. And Okorafor said that he did not get benched for a, a poor performance or lack of, lack of poor play or, um, or or lack of quality play, I should say. So we'll see. But I was just really impressed by Jones because to basically have you know no in-game experience at right tackle in college or the NFL, to have such a short week, essentially just one true practice on Wednesday, Tuesday was a walkthrough, 
and to, to seemingly play that well. To me, Dave, this guy just has a slow heartbeat. This guy's not phased by anything. He just does his job. Left tackle, right tackle, doesn't matter. Um, and to be able to flip like that is so difficult to do, and he just makes it look effortless. I keep thinking about what uh, Flozo Adams said many, many uh, years ago when he came to the Steelers after playing left tackle all that time and talking about how hard it was with the muscle memory uh, by because when he came to the Steelers, he flipped over to the right side, and that's always kind of stuck with me when you when you have guys that predominantly uh, and you know we we went through this with Kevin Dotson right kind of wondering uh, you know why aren't they leaving him at, at 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 his true position and flipping him over to the other side and all like that but uh, uh, may, maybe he hasn't played enough over it to left left tackle mm-hmm. uh, you know in that short time he's a starter at Georgia that he doesn't have some of that muscle memory to have to uh, uh to deal he just plays you know uh, and one thing that stuck out for me from going just through the tv tape rewatch last night let alone the, the little poking around on, on on the 22 this morning uh the athleticism is just and it's not like it was a surprise when we saw it on the, on 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 the, on the georgia college tape though but he gets off the line so quick into the second level and and there were a couple instances where that really stuck out just on the tv tape alone uh once again i don't you know we've talked about toothpaste and the and 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 putting it back in the tube a couple of times already i mean I, I just don't see you, you, you got to have him start somewhere now. Now, is it right or left tackle? I don't know, but I mean, he's going, there's no way he doesn't grade out well uh, in this game at right tackle. And look, you've, 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 you've been with me long enough. You know how I love sometimes how to uh, trying to trying to fix things that aren't broken. Uh, <laughs> I don't, I don't think the Steelers should be trying to fix fix something here that, that that's that's not broken and look these things as I always like to say these things have a funny way of working themselves out you never know you get two plays into the next game you might need to have him switch over to the left tackle and all right now but uh coming off of this game and the way this team ran a career high uh rushing you know totals and all like that I, I'd, I'd let Chiquamo Corfor over there and you know wait his turn back on the sideline a little bit now I think it Either way, Jones should be starting come the Green Bay game in Week 10. Left tackle, right tackle, they can decide all that. But Broderick Jones, I, I don't know what else has to be shown at this point for him to earn consistent starting reps. And yeah, he'll take his lumps and he'll have you know a bad rep or allow a sack or maybe a bad game here or there. He's a rookie, it's going to happen. But nothing that he's shown so far tells me this is a guy that should be on the bench getting three snaps a game as a tackle eligible. Uh, this guy should be playing every single snap for the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. Now we'll wait and see what, what the, what the Steelers think. Cause it, yep. it don't matter what we think, but I mean, uh, I I'm with you. I think he's got to stay on the field some, somehow at this point, it'll be a big storyline for next week. All right, Dave, uh, injury just round up here. Um, coming into the game, um, Levi Wallace did, uh, did dress and play off that foot injury. Don't know what the snap count was. He came in, I think, late night game, maybe some dime packages, had a big uh, incompletion uh, on that deep ball to Traylon Burks down the left sideline on a fourth down play. So he was able to contribute, albeit in a in a much more limited role. The in-game injury is the big thing to talk about from, from that standpoint. Dave Cole Holcomb suffering a very severe and gruesome looking leg. The team called it a knee initially. We don't have exact details on, on what that is, but 
He took a friendly fire from Keanu Neal over the middle as Neal went to make a tackle on DeAndre Hopkins. So Holcomb was immediately ruled out, and um, the injury, let's just say, you know, don't, don't expect Cole Holcomb to come back in 2023. Man, if he does, it's going to be later in the season. That looked bad. It looks bad yeah. at whatever angle you want to look at it. And, and, uh, Patrick Peterson and, and, and Devontae Casey knew it right away too, uh, uh, after it happened. And we, who was it just wrote, was it high Tritter? Jonathan high just wrote on the site, how that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, that, that Cole Holcomb, uh, seems to so far have been the best off season addition, uh, you know, outside free agent that this team has had and, and been playing well and such a freak thing for him to be chasing down a play. And then, you know, essentially get whipped with, 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 I guess a leg, uh, there. And yeah, it, it, it didn't look good. I, I would imagine he's probably had surgery already, if, if, but if not, probably by the time people listen to this podcast, probably, uh, uh, we'll have just pulled up the, uh, PFF grades, uh, Alex, mm-hmm. uh, and once again, look, we, we, we I, I think, PFF does a lot of good things and we use them to kind of as a measuring stick to maybe go in and look for other things and all like that. Broderick Jones graded out at 58.8 overall in this game, according to their hmm. in- initial viewing. Where uh, does that rank among the Steelers front five? Uh, the worst offensive lineman, if you can believe it. Hmm. Again, it's hard to watch O-Lyman live, right. and sometimes there are individual particular missed blocks that maybe don't impact the play dramatically, but that is surprising. They have him down for a 63.0 passing grade and a 53.7 run block grade. Uh, I, I sure as hell didn't get that sense by watching watching the TV tape. And, 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 and what little all 22 I've, I've, I've looked at. So uh, we'll have to see. Now, look, he did give up uh, on the Jalen Warren, you know, uh, look, he wasn't flawless in this game. I mean, I'm not I'm not, I'm not trying to paint it uh, like that. He did give up kind of a deep uh, uh, penetration on that late Jalen Jalen Warren run that that Jalen uh, spun off of and bounced outside uh, there. Jalen Warren, by the way, uh, graded out as the best offensive player for the Steelers 90. Mm. 90.9 that kid just runs hard i mean <laughs> uh, and doing it for free right now we yeah uh i'm not a bit surprised he graded out as as a steeder's best player uh gonna be interesting to go go through and try to how many did broderick have any penalties in this game i didn't well there was no. the ineligible downfield right which isn't really his fault but I don't right. know how they tag him for it on, on PFF side of things. You know, and look, it's always kind of the kind of a mystery on, on, on sometimes on how they, 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 they get to some of these grades here. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a bit surprised. I mean, uh, uh, James Daniels graded out as the Steelers best offensive lineman then say Amalo, then Dan Moore jr. Then Mason Cole, then Chicomo core for with his one total snap. And then uh, Broderick Jones. So going to be interesting to comb through deeper on the uh, on 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 the all twenty two. All right, carry sure. on. We'll watch the tape. But to go back to the Cole Holcomb situation, Pittsburgh was pretty comfortable and liked their three man rotation of Holcomb, Quan Alexander, 
and a Landon Roberts. Now it seems like it's going to be just Alexander and Rob Roberts. Maybe some Mark Robinson gets sprinkled in, but he's got a similar profile to to Robertson. Um, Roberts has been you know playing the most amount of snaps of, of the two and has played I think well for the role that he occupies. So we'll see how things look going forward. But that that three man rotation may have just become a two man group. Uh, who's going to come up from the practice squad? You reckon? I hadn't thought about all that kind of stuff yet, to be honest. Uh, they can maybe go externally and, you know, grab somebody off the practice squad. I'm not even sure exactly what is on their uh, on their taxi squad right now. Um, they got a couple of pass rushers. They have any inside linebackers. Uh, I guess uh, Michael or Raquel Walker, they just signed. Uh, he's got a bunch of experience in Atlanta. So that's a guy that, you know, potentially could come up once you feel like he, you know, digests the playbook. Uh, Kyron Johnson, too, they got on a practice squad right now. Yeah, now he's been more of an edge guy. Maybe right. maybe he's an off-ball guy in Pittsburgh system, but I know in Kansas and when he got it was in Philadelphia, it was kind of more of a, an edge pass rusher, but we'll see what they do from there. Okay. Uh, let's see what else do we have here, Dave. I think just sticking well, – also, I should say Montrevious Adams had an ankle injury and uh, got hurt early in the first quarter, I believe. And I first play. First play, man. Uh, but that was one reason why Keanu Benton – Got a lot of burn, a lot of playing time in this game, but Ben, I thought, you know, played a really solid game. Yeah, uh, uh, Adams got that trapped underneath the pile on that first play, and then tried to stay out there on the second play, and he just he he couldn't walk. Uh, uh, he was limping after that, and then uh, went off two snaps for Montrevious Adams. He was out of the game there, but uh, Keanu Benton, I thought, represented himself. I wonder what PF. Speaking of grades, I wonder what PFF. That's got to uh, be a high grade. If that's not a high grade, then we got to throw the whole whole thing out and start over. Uh, you're not going to believe this. Mm, don't tell me. Don't break my heart. 57.1 uh, uh, overall defensive grade for Keanu Benton. Uh, 48.1 against the uh, run. Uh, 65.9 as a pass rusher. And they gigged him pretty good for the tackling, 28.3 in mm-hmm. the tackling uh, department. I, I've only just went through and watched the key plays on the defensive side of the tape uh, there. But uh, on that uh, on that Alex Highsmith, uh, I think that was Alex's first sack of the game, if I'm not mistaken, uh, uh, Benton goes crashing through right through the you know, two guys on him, just right through the the uh the uh the swinging double doors on that all, all, I you almost kind of wonder if he gets a half a sack on that one or I, I don't they didn't give him half a sack on that did they I don't believe so I don't think he was uh given a sack in this game I can double check Look, no no he was not no, no he well didn't. we won't obsess too much about PFF type grades and all that kind of stuff um we'll go through the tape and come to our own evaluations but Benton certainly was an impact player in this game especially as a pass rusher all right Dave let, let's start with the defense here and kind of really get into the into this game um you know a lot of consistent pressure up front I I, I give Titans quarterback Will Levis credit I thought he stood tall in the face of pressure he made some big time plays downfield but you know, Pittsburgh did enough late and there was only one turnover in this entire game. And it came on the final defensive play of the game for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Quan Alexander calling game and picking off Will Levis uh, on the goal line as he got depth. And they tried to th- run four verticals down the seam and Alexander read it and, and, and snatched the football away. So Watt and Highsmith winning against that beat up Titans offensive line that was losing people routinely throughout this game. The secondary for Pittsburgh 
had its problems and communication was an issue when you lose Minka, when you lose Holcomb, your top two communicators, that certainly was an impact. But Pittsburgh keeping the score down, I think minimizing Henry overall and making the impact play late in the game. Yeah, look, they gave up some plays in this game, and I, I thought Will Levis uh, played a lot better than what I expected him to do. I, I and and I thought that the Steelers would be able to get after him a little, and they did uh, in this game. Uh, but in in the opportunities for him, in some big moments too, some 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 long type situations, uh, he was able to read it and and make some plays. The Steelers obviously helped them out. Uh, a little bit in some some coverage and miscommunication uh, aspects of it. Uh, I think there was a drop or two maybe in 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 this game, but I, I Levis uh, was a lot more accurate than 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 what I expected him to to uh, to be. And outside of that, la- I mean, they were driving down there at the end, and I was starting to wonder if they were going to be able to keep him out of the end zone. Obviously, uh, there were. In total, three interceptable balls, I guess, on that last drive, right? Uh, 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 who was on Rush the one side? Had the one. Wallace, Levi Wallace had right. had one that uh, DeAndre Hopkins played defense on. Uh, Darius Rush uh, had one that he would like to have back, and then uh, the final one, uh, Levis didn't get away with. So, uh, outside of that that final drive and he was still moving them down the field. Uh, I, I, I thought he played well and took a really took advantage of, a of, uh, uh, the Steelers secondary in this game. Yeah. My overall takeaway is just win the fourth quarter is how Pittsburgh wins all their games this season, literally. And in the fourth quarter, the Titans had three possessions. They punted, they turned the ball over on downs and then Levis threw that pick that ended the game. And Tennessee scored just three points in the second half. Um, you know, DeAndre Hopkins had zero receptions in the second half of this game. And so despite Pittsburgh having their issues and their problems, especially I think in the first half of this one, really in the second half, they they clamped things down and you know, let the offense score the game-winning touchdown, which is how they've, again, won all five of their games this season, essentially. Right. Uh, they. You you keep waiting for that stuff to come back and bite them bite them in the butt more than than it has, but uh, uh, they were able to get off the field in in some third down situations that obviously helped them uh, out hold them to some field goals. Ten, you know uh, Tennessee shot themselves in the foot I think a couple times with some penalties and and couldn't keep those edge edge rushers away enough at 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 at, at other times there. Uh, they're going to have to figure out the communication aspect now because Minka, even though he did not go on IR uh, uh, on on you know ahead of the game, which is a, a good sign and and really news in and of itself, uh, it still feels like probably going to miss maybe one, maybe two more games. We'll we'll have to see what happens this next week and all. And then obviously losing your other prime communicator uh, in there in 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 in, in Cole Holcomb. Uh, they're going to have to work on that communication aspect. And Mike Tomlin said, you know, as far as the boy, what'd you think about all the penalty penalties early mm-hmm. in this game? Uh, you know, some of them obviously ticky tack, but you know, some of them were, 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 were kind of uh, obvious on the Steelers part as well too. Mike Tomlin said they're going to bring in refs, I think next week uh, to work on that. It just, you know, uh, you take two, two steps forward and four steps back on defense. It seemed like throughout most of the first or most of the game really sure but ultimately you hold Tennessee to 16 points you make the play late you got the pressure that you needed Derrick Henry 
What did he have on the ground in this one? I'm losing uh, my place here. 17 for 75 on a touchdown. I think you take that overall. Uh, he didn't, you know, have the the play that changed the course of this game. And you know, Pittsburgh able to kind of contain some of the superstars, minimize the superstars. I think they do that as well as any team in football, offensively, defensively, and again, got some key stops late. Good situational football. Tennessee did have a couple of big third down conversions, but I think overall they were like four or fifteen on possession down. So it, it's enough to win. Yeah, three of thirteen on third down for them. It felt it felt it felt better than that. It felt a lot better than that. So that I mean that that that's a key stat right there. I mean, uh, uh, able to get off the field in in in, in uh, weighty downs, as Mike Tomlin likes to say. Well, we're burying another lead here, I guess. Joey Porter Jr. moving around and moving around on DeAndre Hopkins, and right. he apparently told reporters after the game that he went to Mike Tomlin and said, "I want I want Hopkins. Match me up on D Hop." And we know. Dave, that Pittsburgh basically never travels their corners. They haven't done so since the Ike Taylor days, but it seems like they did in this game. We have to chart this one, but based on, I believe, what Next Gen Stats has to say and based on just our eyes that Porter was following around Hopkins, playing left corner and right corner, and shut him down in the second half and shut him down throughout the game. I believe the stat is is that whenever Porter was covering Hopkins, he had just one catch for 17 yards on five targets. And so some of the plays that Hopkins made in the first half, we're more against zone, or maybe on some other people. And so to see Porter step up like that, and you know, it was a tough first drive for him getting penalized, what, twice on one play on, on D-Hop on a third down. That, that certainly can rattle you, but I thought Porter shows a lot of mental toughness, and that's kind of the mark of what a good corner has to be. He has to have a short-term memory to, to bounce back from that, gets penalized on that fourth down um, on that final possession, but bounces back and they took a couple deep shots to to Hopkins, which is how they scored their touchdowns last week. And Porter was able to, to blanket him. So uh, that is a big grow up type of game for Joey Porter. Jr. Absolutely. And 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 now you feel uh, you have I mean, they've done it now. And once again, we haven't seen that happen in quite some time. Uh, when's the last time uh, that that a rookie traveled? Uh, uh, yeah. uh, uh, like that. No blunt. I don't know. <laughs> Rod Woodson. Uh, so, so good for him. Good. And, uh, uh, now, I mean, that, that gives you definitely an option moving forward. Uh, it's, I mean, it felt like they played a lot of man in this game. Uh, yeah, I mean, they, they mixed zone, but zone was really ineffective. You had, you know, receivers running free. They really were playing that traditional spot drop type of stuff. And so I know they probably had to really simplify their calls in this game without Minka, without Holcomb playing a lot of, you know, new people, Darius Rush seemed to be the dime defender in this game, stuff like that. But man is when Pittsburgh was at their best in this game. Yeah, it really was. Um, so, but yeah, I thought Porter overall, just, just a really strong performance and, you know, when you when you travel, the other corner has to be able to move as well. If he can't move, you really can't travel. But Patrick Peterson can can play both sides. And so that's a really important asset, actually, assuming that this traveling against top receivers occurs going forward. Uh, what do you think about Darius Rush and his usage? Yeah, I have to do, to do the charting, but it seems like he was that that 60 B. It wasn't Miles Killebrew. It ended up being Darius Rush, which. On paper, I like better athletes, better cover guys than, you know, a linebacker, special teamer, which is, you know, who Miles Killebrew is. Um, obviously, there was the, you know, interception that he should have had. What a story that would have been. First interception and first career uh, NFL game, which you've logged snaps. He dressed last week, but did not play for Pittsburgh. So 
We'll have to check the tape. I believe there was miscommunication on one play earlier in the game in which Rush tried to pass off a route to nobody in particular and allowed a long completion. But, um, you know, just trying to put your hand in the pile and, and, and make plays and be available and get your first, first NFL snaps. What did you see happen on that uh, on that play over to the right side? Uh, there was that. Did that look like quarters? I'm not sure what play you're referencing. Uh, the, the, the catch that I just said, where there was miscommunication. Yeah, I'll have to check. I really didn't get a good feel for what the coverage was on that play. Uh, uh, did it feel like he needed to kind of spot drop any? You know, make sure you jump on that when, when you when you when you get. I didn't look at it on the all twenty two. Just trying to go off my head what I remember on the TV tape, and 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 obviously you can't see everything on that. But uh, uh, look, I was surprised he got on the field as much as he did. Yeah, I think Pittsburgh just recognized they had limited options. I'm still not sure why Elijah Riley can't get some dime work. He's been in the system, and he's a he was a corner in college, and he's got some size. But you know, Rush they wanted to get that package of plays out there for him. Welcome to the NFL. Thirty snaps. Mm. Forty one percent. So yeah, so I'm not. Maybe was that more than just dime? We'll have to check. I mean, obviously they were playing catch up late, and so you get a bunch of snaps on that final drive, for example. So we'll have to. Check the charting and tell you on Monday. All right. Uh, what about those edge boys? Yeah, they were winning. TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith. What, what's the number on a Highsmith? We believe nine pressures in this game. Um, the Titans were losing linemen, and some of those guys would come back, but I'm sure they were playing hurt. I mean, I think literally every lineman but their center got hurt at some point during this game and had to exit. So you know, they were certainly trying to rotate guys and, and and gut their way through this game. And on a rookie quarterback, being able to tee off with your edge guys is, is really important. Yeah, and uh, Alex Heisman is starting to get that uh, that uh, power rush game of his in line now. And if he does, look out, man. Uh, I mean, that's, that's really the only thing that he's kind of uh, – in my opinion, kind of needed improvement. You know, we see him with that ghost move. We see him with the, uh, with, with, with chop rips and, and, uh, obviously the spin move. He used that a couple of times, uh, in, in, in this game, obviously last night against the Titans. Uh, and you know, we're starting to see some, some, some more and more of that speed to power. And if he gets that aspect of, of, of his game in line, uh, going to be, going to be a, a monster not that not that he's not a monster now he plays a run so well too uh that that's another aspect of him sometimes he'll get caught uh in inside there but i mean it just if if he if he knows he's got to set that edge he 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 really does a good job and not only in setting and in getting off and i think in early in the first half you get to see a few instances of that so uh uh really thought the uh obviously and watt getting a sack without a helmet <laughs> you you probably could have thrown another four flags in that game uh, uh, on him being held, you know, uh, and mm-hmm. I, I think he had what a couple back to back that he drew, uh, uh, within there. So, uh, uh, as, as advertised there with those guys. Yeah, absolutely. And so you needed the, the consistent source of pass rush. They got it. There are so many talented pass rushers on this team and Watt and Highsmith and Herbig, Golden, Hayward, Benton, Adams, Ogunjobi. Um, I think the pressure's been there. The sacks have not always been there this year. So um, obviously Pittsburgh's strength is going to be their front seven. They're going to have to continue to lean on that, especially until Minka Fitzpatrick returns. How many sacks do they have overall in this game? Five? Four. Four. Yeah, which a lot of them I think get three early. Yeah, and you had a chance for C- some couple more. Couple wiped out, weren't weren't they? 
We had the Watt that was wiped out right on that, that first possession on that uh, questionable rough in the passer. So, yeah. I think Kai was, Smith might have had one wiped out too, didn't he? Probably. There were so many penalties in this game. I'm trying right. to keep track. But, um, yeah, it, they officially had four. Felt like they could have had eight in this mm-hmm. game. Sure did. All right, Dave, any other final thoughts here for this defense? Uh, Got to tackle better, and that includes Joey Porter Jr., yeah, it's still been an issue for him and probably for this defense. I, I will say one play that does not get talked about in this game is that open field tackle that DeMonte Casey had on Derrick Henry that ended up being, I think, a 15-yard run or so. But if he does not make that play, that's a house call for Henry. And so one of those hidden plays you should not forget about uh, that, that will get lost in this game. Uh, one other thing that stuck out, Lee, uh, all, all the defensive linemen chasing. Uh, Leal really stuck out coming back away from the uh, line of scrimmage, I think on two plays uh, in, 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 in particular uh, making sure to run after the football. Yeah. There was that one that Levis checked down on the right side and the tight end may have been a Conquo slipped and got back up and somebody missed a tackle and he's going to get a bunch of yak there and Leal hawked him down. And so that was a really big play. You see Benton chasing the ball hard sideline to sideline. And of course came Hayward sets the gold standard for for effort and fanatical effort type of play. So um, in Pittsburgh, if you're a D lineman, you better be an athlete. You better be able to chase the football. Okay, I'm looking back through. I guess uh, I guess uh, Highsmith did not have one wiped out by penalty. I thought he did have one wiped out by penalty. Oh no, okay. no, uh, no, he did. It was the uh, the uh, the Joey Porter defensive offsides that that one mm. where he okay, was that called was for early both. In the game. Uh, he was called for both defensive offsides and illegal use of the hands. I, I call BS on a defensive offside. I think that ball was snapped before Porter went over the line, but uh, the, the illegal use of the hands, they, 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 they definitely got him on. Yeah, and that's Porter. He wants to press. He wants to be physical, jam, slow down the route, and, and that's why you draft that kid because he's got the length and he's got the personality and the demeanor to, to be a press man corner, and, and you can really put him on Hopkins and – make it a tough day for DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Alex Highsmith graded out at, uh, as the best defensive player, according to PFF's grading, and Joey Porter Jr., 55.8. Man, mm. I, uh, not agreeing. You know, for, for the most part, I don't take a lot of issue with, 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 with their grading, but the three guys that we've mentioned <laughs> uh, in here, Keanu Benton, uh, Joey Porter, and uh, uh, Broderick Jones, th- at least you know, from 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 what I've seen so far, I, I thought played well in this game. Yeah, I'm surprised, but again, we're not going to dwell too much on on the individual grading numbers. I think PFF is useful for a lot of things, but the grades are you know more fodder than anything that we're going to um, hyper focus on. Um, but I think that covers the defense pretty well overall, Dave. Right. All right, flipping over to the offense here, and we'll start with Kenny Pickett, and it was a just a bad first half for Kenny Pickett. There's no debating that. I don't know if he was limited by the rib injury, if he was wearing a jacket that maybe influenced things. Regardless, no excuse, no explanation needed. Just had to make some of those plays, missing George Pickens on a shallow cross on third down, missing Deontay Johnson high on a curl route early in the game, missing Allen Robinson um, in the end zone on a third and goal play where maybe Connor Hayward you know, would have been the better option to throw to. Uh, short arming a deep ball to Calvin Austin, you know, downfield on a linebacker, put that thing in front, probably a touchdown. The list goes on and on. But in typical picket fashion, fourth quarter rolls around. 
He turns into great Kenny Pickett and leads the game-winning drive. So, you know, Pickett's, you know, has that mental toughness and that ability to find the play late and a beautiful throw to Deontay Johnson, that third down play down the right sideline for 32 yards. And so you know, all is well that ends well. That is the Kenny Pickett experience. Uh, I thought the first drive, he, he you know, uh, uh, he played well. We, we already talked about him escaping the pressure and keeping his eyes up and making a play on, 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 I think that was that third down there, you know, the once and obviously they marched down the field and, and, and got the touchdown there. Uh, after that drive though, uh, the wheels came off for a little bit for him as you highlighted several of the missed throws, uh, that he had the, the plays to be made for sure uh, within there. Uh, and then, you know, get into the fourth quarter and ha- had a very, very, very strong uh, fourth quarter. And man, he uh, uh, really dropped that one in against a man coverage to Deontay. Uh, I mean, what happens if you don't make that play? A lot of people are already pointing to, well, he should have held on to the football. He had George Pickens coming across uh, open, you know, across uh, on, 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 a, on a drag, short drag route underneath and all like that. But, uh, uh, boy, what if you don't make that throw on that third and sixth play in that instance there? Uh, that was a key, key uh, throw and play in this game. And I think he was asked after the game, uh, you know, did he change that up? He said, no, that was an out, out, out of the huddle call in that situation. And, you know, had Deontay one-on-one and, uh, Deontay Johnson did a great job with the late hands on that, but that ball was dropped right, right, right where it needed to be. And then uh, either a play or two later was that, uh, Jalen Warren run, uh, down down to the one and then fortunately they were able to uh cash it in uh nice route combination there by uh Allen Robinson and 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 Deontay Johnson out of a stack uh situation there uh give Allen Robinson an assist on that because mm-hmm. uh, the way he ran that thing and obviously De- uh, Deontay ran his route uh perfectly as well too that's how you know the way Allen Robinson releases on that, there, you know, it's hard for those those defensive backs to decide to pass that off. You know, right? There was uh, a rub there that kind of knocked right. the DB off his track, and that helped open up Deontay. Right. Uh, I mean, that was a perfectly executed. It was a great call, perfectly executed, uh, and and easy touchdown for uh, for Deontay in that in 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 that situation. Obviously, Kenny put it on him. I'm just pulling up the numbers here, and I know it's been talked about before, but just to hammer at home after another solid fourth quarter, Kenny Pickett's quarterback rating in the first and third quarter this season, 75.3. In the fourth quarter, 108.2. And so, mm. Kenny Clutch, that is that is his M.O. Man, just keep it close. We've said it a few times, right? Uh, 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 keep it close here for him and, and see what happens. And he came alive in the fourth quarter, and... Uh, even after that, they, uh, what'd you think about the final possession that they had of the game? Yeah, I think you can take issue with the conservative nature, that third down, you know, do you play for the win or do you just try to, you know, force them to burn a timeout? I think the fact that there was still a fair amount of time left and Tennessee having two timeouts, if they have one timeout and you force them to burn their final timeouts, a different equation, I, I know why they, they ran the ball and were conservative because their whole ethos is to trust our defense to make a play, you know, force the rookie quarterback to put the ball in the end zone. We're going to, we're going to trust our defense to step up our pass rush to eat. And so, you know, 
I get why they did that, but I had the inclination of let's go win this thing right here, right now. Right. They, I, I started to get a sinking feeling in my stomach when they turned that ball, when they gave the ball back to them with, with around two minutes left there, but, uh, it uh, ended up working out okay for them. I would like to see them be a little bit more aggressive in that situation. Yeah. But we know, I mean, they trust their defense so much more than their offense. And in a situation like that, it's really not surprising because the entire style in which Pittsburgh plays is let's just, you know, have the offense do just enough and make the defense make the big plays uh, when it counts. Right. Um, the other Johnson score, well, just, just got to know Johnson in the end zone. We don't talk about that in a long, long time. And so that was good for him. And, uh, you could just see him after the game, just the weight off his shoulders. And I can't imagine what that, what that's going to do for him mentally, just to maybe play freer now and just kind of not have to worry about the drought and press a little bit and get frustrated when you don't have the conversion there. And so to a score and then B score in a win and C score in a win with the game, you know, winning touchdown, the go ahead touchdown. I uh, just got to feel, you know, really good for that guy. Well put, you know, it's almost, you could see that weight get lifted yeah. off of him. Uh, right, right. When he scored and, and obviously the shots on the sideline uh, afterwards, you know, he's been counting down the days. He said as much in the, in the post game press or about seeing, seeing the, the, the street number on, on, on social media and all like that. So now he doesn't have to worry or talk about that uh, now. And I, I thought the same thing uh, last night was, was uh, maybe, maybe this will, will unlock him even more uh, at, at this point moving forward here. Yeah, nobody slept better last night than Deontay Johnson. I can can basically guarantee you that. But as you were going to mention there, Dave, run game, 166 yards Ooh. in this economy. I mean, Harris rolling, Warren rolling. Those guys were fun to watch. You know, Warren trucking people, the 23-yard run. Harris had a 25-yarder, guards on the move. You were right, Dave. I was concerned about the run game in this one. Could Pittsburgh run it along the interior? You said that's where they got to put the ball. That's where they put it, and they were consistently strong. They did it, man. They did it, and 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 there were some actual, I mean, some nice size gaps in here, and and obviously even when there weren't, there was some strong, hard-fought yards by both Najee and and Jalen Warren after first contact where those two yard runs turn into six, you know, six yard situations there. So, uh, uh, they needed that definitely in, in, in this game for sure. And hopefully they can build on it moving, moving forward. You know, I I think both guys are talented. I'm happy that both backs are in Pittsburgh and I'm basically happy with their roles, but I will say Jalen Warren, and it's probably become a little cliche, but there is a spark that he has with the way that he runs his style just kind of brings an energy that's infectious and running over dudes, you know, just, just, just never say die effort. Harris is a power back that can, you know, churn out tough yards as well. But Warren is just kind of that fun, just bowling ball, pinball between guys that um, I think kind of amps up the team and amps up the crowd. Yeah, I agree. I, you just, man, I, uh, Running that physical, you just worry, worry about his health. But, I mean, he bounces up after all of them. Yeah, I mean, that's how he got here, and that's how he's going to continue to play. But the line got a push. The guard seemed better, say, Amalu. Um, we talked about Broderick Jones. Again, I think Pittsburgh was focusing more on a gap scheme than they did you know, a zone scheme. There was a mix of both, and we'll have to check the tape and see what kind of they, they used as the catalyst for some of these big runs. But backs created when it wasn't there. The line opened holes. I thought everybody kind of kind of helped each other to pull this run game forward. And we know, Dave, how how important the run game is for Pittsburgh to have offensive success. Uh, offensive success. Absolutely. 
Uh, what else do we have here? Uh, other receivers, George Pickens, tough day for him. Five targets, two receptions, negative one yard. So you and I had more more yards than George Pickens. Mm. Should have had a touchdown on that good ball, that, that slot fade on the right side to Pickens, where it felt like he had plenty of room to get that left foot down and just did not. And so he seemed pretty frustrated, which is understandable. Um, some plays that he should have made, some maybe more opportunities, opportunities to get him the football, but just now three catches over the last two weeks. But it's a win, and so winning cures all, and hopefully there's better days ahead for George Pickens. His best catch was one on the sideline. <laughs> <laughs> on that throwaway by Levis, yeah, right? Uh, yeah, on, on, on the throwaway from, uh, from, from Levis there. Uh, look, he'll get back on track. Uh, uh, you obviously wish he would have been able to get – there was a lot of room within there. Just got to have a little bit more recognition of where he's at uh, in, in, in the end zone in that situation uh, there. I mean, if you if you if he gets that, you know, we're, we're not even talk, talking about it felt like the Steelers should have like 30. It felt like this whole game should have been in the 30s for for a while because each team was moving the football, but just not coming away with uh, with with the points overall on there. So, I mean, I, you know, I he obviously didn't put up any stats in this game. And what did he have? Five targets, two catches, a ne- ne- negative mm-hmm. one yard. I. And and you have to we'll have to see what the all twenty two they they were probably paying them a lot of attention uh in uh in in this game and deservedly so uh there but uh, hopefully he'll be able to bounce back from from uh from this one yeah they just need to have more well rounded production in the past game I have the stat of the weird over the last two games of the Steelers wide receivers specifically wide receivers Deontay Johnson has fifteen catches for a buck seventy five and a touchdown all receivers wide receivers not named Deontay Johnson have seven catches for 56 yards um and a touchdown that was Pickens against Jacksonville in in the loss so you know Allen Robinson had a a third down catch but but that was it for him Calvin Austin just the one target can you find ways to to get those guys to impact the game to have a more complete uh you know just group of receivers than than just Deontay Johnson right uh, Darnell Washington his second catch of the the season though both first downs both out of the flat so that was good uh, he played more in this game than than Jacksonville. I, I'm pretty sure you can say, Dave. Uh yeah. Where where was the snap count at, at here, real quick? Here, let's see. Rodney Williams had uh, three total snaps. Mm. Uh, Darnell Washington, thirty-one. Uh, Connor Hayward, thirty-nine. Okay, so that's that's more of what you would expect, you know, as right. opposed to the Jacks game where Williams had twelve, Washington only had ten, and Hayward had. 50-something. Right. Any other thoughts here for the offense? Dave, offensive line, kind of mentioned them. Um, uh, we, uh, we've got to give uh, some flowers to Pickens for uh, and Rodney Williams for, for blocks out there on the edge. True. Uh, uh, so, you know, they, they, they were doing other things uh, that, that were positive uh, in this thing. Uh, Austin out out on, on one of those, what was it? A, was it a jet sweep on one of them? What did you think about the play call with having both uh, Warren uh, and 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 Najee on the field, and then uh, Warren uh, lined up in the in in kind of that H back role and getting uh, getting the handoff around in? Yeah, that was that third down play in Pittsburgh, and that's the play I did the video on a couple weeks ago. I think out of the bye, where I said they got to take this play out of the playbook, or I said either do that because every time they had shown that that formation in that play, they just given the ball to the deep back to to Najee Harris, and it really had not been successful. But I said either they got to rip the play out, or they have to actually hand it off on 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 the wing on the motion there to the edge, and they actually did it on that play. 
that's the play that they ran uh, uh, that Kenny Pickett checked to against Los Angeles for a Najee Harris touchdown. But this one I thought was effective. It was a good changeup to finally give the ball on the edge. And as you said, those were great blocks by Williams and, and Washington. Those guys moved their people off the screen. And Warren, with his burst and got the edge, was a defender there that could have caught him. But uh, Warren you know, put his foot in the ground and got a field and got the first down. So I was glad to see them finally give the motion, uh, give the ball in the motion as opposed to handing the ball to the deep back every single time. All right. Uh, are we missing anything? Third Carol? down, six or 12 on oh, third right. down. They were so abysmal on third down the last two games, even in the win over the Rams, they were seven to 24. They were under 30% the last two weeks. And so to be 50% in this game is, is huge. Obviously when you run for a buck 66, you're going to be in more, advantageous third down situations no sacks for, for Kenny Pickett last time Pittsburgh has not been sacked was sometime last year I believe week 16 so you know the penalties were certainly an issue but probably not many negative runs no sacks in this game no turnovers in this game Pittsburgh avoided a lot of that negativity that that usually hurts them they, they lost the time of possession they lost the total yards uh Elias Sports Bureau uh says that the Steelers are the 34th team in NFL history to be outgained by their opponents in each of their first eight games of the season. They are the first of those 34 teams to have a winning record after eight games. They have been outgained by 790 yards uh, in total, and they've been outscored by 30 points. But uh, I'm going to dive into some advanced metrics here. Uh, five wins. <laughs> <laughs> that is the advanced stuff you guys come here for. Only the Steelers. Only the Steelers can do it. Holy and I have the moly. and I, I I've taken the stat further and said that Pittsburgh has had fewer plays run, first downs, and yards from scrimmage in all eight games this season, and yet they are five and three. So they are being dominated in the stat sheet in every category except the win column, and and they just find ways to win. I mean, we've, we said it, you know, is it going to be sustainable uh, so far? So far it is. I mean, for, for this team, the way they've played in a lot of these games. Now, obviously last night was a lot better, especially on the offensive side of football. So, uh, it felt more deserving of the win, I guess, guess you would say, but, uh, uh, it, that's quite a stat Elias has there. 34 team in NFL. <laughs> and I think that's since night. I think they said uh, 1933, too. Uh, and what's the stat about the Steelers last year? Weren't they in a similar situation? I forget. I saw something floating around about Pittsburgh last year. Maybe I was. Maybe I misread that late last right. night. But five, either way. Five, it's still five and three. Uh, kudos to them. Uh, I thought they'd win this game, you know, uh, obviously by a larger margin. Uh, and they, and they probably should have to be quite, if we were quite honest here, but, uh, and it did feel like once you got into that fourth quarter, I even put on Twitter, it feels like they're going to have to have a takeaway at some point here. Uh, and they got it, they got it, uh, right when they needed it the most. Yep. And the inside linebacker group, man, they made plays this year. They've had splash. We, I mean, we talked so much last year. There was no splash, no impact plays by the off ball linebackers. And I know the Holcomb losses is obviously you know, pretty substantial, but he's, you know, Quan with a forced fumble last week, interception this week, Roberts getting pressure sack and a half last week, you know, Holcomb before he got hurt was, it was an impact player throughout the season. So um, Pittsburgh takes the football away. That's what they do. That's how they win. Boy, for a, uh, 
you know, and I, I tried to add in as many quantifiers as I could in our show the other day there about for, for, for a not must win game. This is as must win as it, <laughs> as it gets. And, and they got it and they've got to be feeling pretty good right now. Obviously you got some Knicks and all and, and losing Holcomb coming out of this. We'll have to see about um, uh, Mont- Montrevious Adams and, 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 and that ankle and all like that, you know, uh, but now you got, you know, a long week now and you get, what did Mike Tomlin say? You're in the clubhouse uh, 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 with the W at this point. They can sit back and watch the Packers play uh, their their game and get the advanced scouting on them, much in the same way that Jacksonville did them uh, mm-hmm. a, a, a couple weeks ago. And, and, oh, yeah, the Packers have to come to Acrisure at this point. And what is it? Uh, their next – is it their next three or their next four or the 1 o'clock starts uh, yep. here? Next four, I think. Yeah, uh, and and obviously uh, uh, some of those are on the road, and a couple of those are division games too, Cleveland and and, and Cincinnati, which will uh, be magnified. But uh, this team's got to be feel, the, you know, coming out of the, uh, you know, out of that loss against Jacksonville to turn around on a short week and get a win. Uh, like they did in their offense, play better, and and now you get a rest with Green Bay coming to town. Uh, you got. They got to be feeling pr- pr- pretty good about themselves uh, on on this Friday morning. Oh yeah, they do. It's uh, it's a good victory Friday. Just one last stat for you, Dave. I'm just kind of looking at this on the fly. Of the teams in the NFL that have at least five wins this season, I know Pittsburgh. We just started off week nine, and so there may be more teams added following this uh, this weekend. But here are the point differentials for the teams in the NFL with at least five wins: sixty-seven, eighty-six. 81, and these are all positive, of course, 37, 58, 52, 77, 35, 30, 78. And then there are the Pittsburgh Steelers, five and three, negative 30. <laughs> and yeah, they're five and three. I don't know, man, but you just you just roll with it. That's like that meme of the the dragons, right? Of the three, <laughs> yeah, the third, and they're the third one, yeah. <laughs> they're the one with the goofy eyes and the tongue, <laughs> and the tongue hanging out uh, there. Uh, there was that other meme floating around last night of the Joker and uh, 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 Spider Man. Was it? Joke, no Joker. I forget, I forget who it was, but uh, one of them's got the head of the 49ers and 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 one of them's got the head of the, the Steelers and <laughs> something like you know we are the same or something like that. I mean, here we are in the uh, the 49ers or what? Uh, they're they're five and three and the Steelers are five and three. Right, and the 49ers are a plus 78 point differential. Mm. They beat down the Steelers, and yet they have the same record. Welcome right. to the NFL. Well, welcome to the NFL. All right. All right. Uh, also, I got to mention just really quickly, Presley Harvin, four punts, 50-yard average, three inside the 20. I thought field position was going to be a really important aspect of this game. Tennessee has a great punter in Ryan Stonehouse, and he did his thing in this game. And I thought Harvin overall was able to match that. And so in these close, tight rock fights, as you say, field position matters. And I thought Harvin played a key role in this one. What about Miles Boykin doing what yeah. Miles Boykin does? Yeah, that one, what was the net on that punt? I mean, there was no return at all. It was Boykin getting clean and tackling that one immediately? What was the net on that play? I mean, that, that had to have been like a 50-yard net, which is an elite, elite number. 
Uh, Let me look it up here really quickly. And, and, and while you're doing that, Miles Boykin with a rare, rare reception <laughs> in this game. I had to, had to look, I had to make sure my glasses were clean for that one. Right. All right. Uh, more, more receiving yards than George Pickens was not on my bingo Ooh. card in this one. Uh, yeah, it was a 54 yard punt, a negative one yard return. So that's a 55 yard, 55 yard net, which is uh, a number you don't see too often. All right. Uh, Deontay Johnson led the team in receiving with seven catches, 90 yards, and a touchdown, and along at 32. They had, they managed to win with just what? Three explosive plays. Is that right? I didn't even look at that. Deontay Johnson had a 30. Did Deontay Johnson have anything longer? In, oh, let me pull up the. Uh, 32 was his long. I don't think he had another play of 20 plus, if memory serves. I know Harris had the 25 yarder, Warren the 23 yarder. Three explosive plays. They uh, and what was the turnover differential? One nothing, right? Correct. Yeah, plus one for Pittsburgh. Uh, and Tennessee had nine. Well, it's with uh, that's with penalties. Do you? How do you feel about counting explosive plays that are that are that are tacked? I I think they should be counted. And uh, I don't think they should be. I think they're unearned by the team doing benefiting from it. All right. Well, then let's take one of those. Let's take two of those away because there was a face mask uh, on Porter. That was a gain of eight yards. And then there was the uh, Levis uh, to Henry for five with the Watt roughing the passer earlier in the game. So there's two let that we don't count. They had nine total. So seven and the Steelers had three, seven to three. The Steelers get one back on a, a turnover, a seven to four talks loss that ends up in a win. How often not teams very often. who are minus three in talks win games? Not very often, Bob. What did you say last night? The Steelers say, screw you to all the metrics besides wins. I mean, that that's, they, they literally call, just fly. They call bullshit. Can you say yeah. that? Yeah, you did. They just uh, fly in the face of every analytic ever, which is so perfect for a Mike Tomlin old school work with your gut, not with the, the calculator kind of team. And they just they just defy every metric out there except for the win column. Yeah, and they got. They are, I should note though, they one metric that's important. They are plus eight in turnover differential. That's tied with Tampa Bay for the best mark in football. If you're plus eight in turnover differential. You're going to win some games. Absolutely. All right, Dave, we got our week nine picks to come up here in a second. Let's hear from our friends over at my bookie first, though, um, in this one. as uh, we, we It's a little unusual here trying to, to fit all this in there after the Steelers playing the Thursday night game, their first of two Thursday night games this year, the other later in the season against New England. But to make our week nine pick sans Pittsburgh, uh, let's hear from our friends at my bookie before we do that. All right, uh, my bookie, Alex, if you found a $100 bill on the ground, you wouldn't walk past it. So why are you passing up on cashing winners every weekend? My bookie has the biggest online selection of odds and contests to fill all your sports betting needs anytime, anywhere, so you can turn that sports knowledge into cash in your wallet. Bet on the NFL. 
NHL or play for a share of big cash prizes in the weekly blackjack tournaments that they have. If you've been waiting for the right time to get in on the action, that time is right now. Make your winning move today. Sign up for my bookie. Use our promo code terrible at sign up and claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. Again, that's promo code terrible to claim your bonus Experience the thrill of sports betting right from the comfort of your own home. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. And once again, uh, sign up now, MyBookie. Use promo code TERRIBLE and claim your deposit match redeemable up to $1,000. And you can do that by going to MyBookie.ag. All right, Dave, let's make our picks for week number nine. And we are both, what, 1-0 and on the weekend, correct? Yeah, we both had them, uh, had them both covering there, uh, and, and, and they did. All right, uh, let's see. Let's start with uh, the Miami Dolphins at the Kansas City Chiefs. This one should be a good one. We'll be able to sit back and actually watch some football this weekend, Alex. Uh, Chiefs laying two and a half points against the Dolphins. You know what? Give me Miami more firepower at wide receiver. Still looking for some weapons in KC outside of Kelsey. I'm going to go with the Dolphins in this one, Dave. I'll take the Chiefs at home to bounce back and cover against the Dolphins here. How about the Arizona Cardinals at the Cleveland Browns? Browns at home laying eight. With an uncertain quarterback situation, stop me if you've you've heard that one before. Um, And the Cardinals, I'm not even sure who's starting for them. It's either going to be Clayton Toon or Kyler Murray. The Browns defense, though, they're going to feast Jimmy Cleveland. I'll take Cleveland late at eight points as well, too. The Baltimore Ravens start a string, I think, of three games at home here. Uh, they get the Seattle Seahawks uh, first up on, on 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 Sunday here. The Ravens are at home laying six against the Seahawks. Yeah, give me Baltimore at home, Dave. I will take Baltimore at home to cover that six. That offense looks like it's clicking. Uh, Houston Texans are hosting the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Texans are favored by three at home. Yeah, this one's tough. I've been a big fan of the Texans, what they're building over there. Had a tough loss last week. Um, I'll say they show some resolve and bounce back. I'm going to go Houston. I'll take Houston at home later three as well, too. How about the Rams against the Steelers' next opponent, the Green Bay Packers? Uh, uh, Packers at home hosting a banged-up Rams team. Packers laying three in this one, Alex. Trying to figure out the quarterbacks this week. Is Stafford going to play? Is it going to be Brett Ripien? I have no idea how to pick these ones, to be honest with you. I'll I'll go with the Rams. I'm going to assume that Stafford gives it a go. I'll go with the Rams plus the three points. I think they can win this outright at Lambeau Field. How about the Washington Commanders, a game we won't be watching? Uh, at least I don't think you will. Uh, at the New England Patriots, the Patriots laying three at home. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go with Belichick. I'll go with the Pats here. I will as well. I'll lay that three points here. Minnesota Vikings uh, on the road against the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons laying four. Joshua Dobbs now Minnesota Viking. Uh, I don't know if he's going to start or not. I would seriously consider it if I was them. I believe uh, Kevin O'Connell said Jaron Hall is going to start the rookie. All right. Uh, Falcons laying four at home against the Vikings. Yeah, at home against the rookie. Falcons did lose Grady Jarrett. I'll I'll say it's a field goal game. Falcons win. Vikings cover. I'll take the Falcons to cover the four. Uh, Saints hosting the Bears. Saints are favored by eight and a half at home. 
Yeah, that's a big line. Um, Fields is still out. I'll go with the Saints. I'll go with the Saints. Lay that eight and a half with you there. Panthers uh, at home against the Colts. Colts on the road, two and a half point favorites over the Panthers. Yeah, give me Indy, even without Richardson. I think the run game's good enough. Zach Moss is having a really good season. I'll go with the Colts. I'll go with the Colts on the road to lay that two and a half with you there. The Raiders uh, cleaned house. Uh, they're at home against the Giants. The Raiders are favored by a point and a half in this one. Yeah, Antonio Pierce, uh, who was a Giant linebacker for the Giants, now is a head coach in the NFL. I'll go with the Raiders, get that interim head coach boost. I will go same reason. I think they're going to have a lot of energy there. Uh, I'll lay the point and uh, point and a half uh, with you there. Dallas, they got a uh, NFC East battle. Cowboys on the road against the Eagles. Eagles favored by three. This one should be a good one. Yeah, definitely. I think we'll be. I'm going to stick with the Eagles, though. That run game, the identity. Dak makes a couple too many mistakes far too often. Give me Philadelphia. I'll go with the Cowboys. I think they uh, I think they upset them in their own building there. There are going to be some fights in that building. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give me the Cowboys plus three Bengals hosting the bills. Another good game. Uh, Bengals at home laying two against the bills. Yeah. The Bengals have really found their stride offensively. So I'm going to roll Cincinnati in this one. Mm. My, my gut says go with the bills in an upset here on the road. I'll take those two points. Uh, Jets on at home against the chargers. Uh, Chargers are three and a half point road favorites here. And no, that's, I, that's the Monday night game. I, I almost want to take the Jets because they've been scrappy like Pittsburgh and it's a long trip for LA and the Chargers always kind of charger it up. I'll say though, the Chargers win by maybe six points. I don't know. Something happens late, kick a late field goal to, uh, to give them a six point lead. So give me the Chargers. Yeah, I think the Chargers can be a touchdown better in this one. I'll lay that three and a half points uh, on the road against the Jets. All right. All right, so those are our picks. Hopefully my picks are better than they have been. I've been rough last couple of weeks, so I'm going to defer to you, Dave. But um, anything else here to talk about today? Any read emails to get to before uh, we close out today's show? Let's see if we can hit. we running longer than what we thought we were going to run here. Uh, uh, Ellie Marks writes in, good win last night. Let me start. This is a long email. Let me start by saying the Titans seemingly have their quarterback. I couldn't help but watch him and think, oh, oh God, why couldn't the Steelers get Will Levis? Did anyone else shed real tears of joy of that opening TD, TD drive? Uh, seeing the excitement on the players of Matt Cannon was such a nice thing to see, despite the hate thrown. Uh, quite, uh, let's see, uh, very quickly. I'm trying to find out where the question is here. Uh, but man, having trouble seeing. I guess he's talking about the Brett Coleman. Uh, 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 breakdown that he did on YouTube. I think we wrote about there and very quickly on Pickett, he says, I love the guy. I think he can facilitate a playoff run with the approximately built team. Should he develop a little bit more consistency in his game? But man, I'm having trouble seeing where his strengths truly lie. His above the neck uh, game isn't great. His accuracy is inconsistent. Pocket movement uh, is problem problematic. Downfield throwing is oftentimes a club short footwork. He, boy, he's uh, uh, Ellie's going through it here. Uh, however, I feel like he can get information overload and become indecisive still early in his career, but I'm not sure long email here. Once again, I think it's more observations than anything. I don't, I don't know if there's uh, really a question in there, Alex. Yeah. I mean, uh, I get the, 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 the merits on picket. Um, let's just evaluate it after the season. I think it's, you know, we can evaluate it now. Uh, but I'll, I just want to have those conclusions. Once the season ends, you kind of see the totality of it. And 
see where this thing takes him and takes the team. Uh, Austin Hackett, happy victory Friday, uh, opposing beat writers. One of my favorite parts of the terrible podcast is getting the opposing team's beat writers on every week. One thing I've noticed this year, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure every beat writer has picked their team against the Steelers this year. He says not accusing any of them of bias or anything like that. I think it really just says a lot about the Steelers. I don't think people look at Pittsburgh as a good team. Just curious if you guys have noticed that too, uh, and, and have any thoughts on it. No, look, I mean, uh, we we just offer up the ability for them to, to, to make their picks and score predictions. And uh, look, hey, you got to admit, it's been it's been hard to pick the Steelers. I mean, <laughs> even Alex and I have picked against the Steelers quite a bit uh, this year. And we both obviously had them winning this game against the Titans. But uh, I can see where opposing beat riders – you know, would you know, from a thirty thousand foot foot view would 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 especially some of these teams that the Steelers have faced here would 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 pick the team they cover to 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 beat the Steelers. So uh, I I I'm not sitting here tracking it or anything. I, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I get the point that I think in past years, you know, beat writers will come in and say, "Yeah, we got a decent team, but Pittsburgh's tough." And if we're going to their place, yeah, I'm going to take the Steelers. So I get that change in feeling, and yet. They're five and three, and that's all that really matters. But point taken. All right. Uh, one more from Austin uh, writes in, Hey, Dave and Alex, as, as always, thanks for everything you guys do. By far the best theaters content on the web. My question and thoughts are, can Matt Canada actually get himself into a position? He gets an extension. He says, I've thought Canada has really called some good games as of late, and it's come down to lack of execution with Kenny missing uh, some big throws. There's obviously still concepts that make very little sense from Canada, but is it possible the theaters catch steam offensively, which leads to a, one or two year extension. We've been asked this question quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. I don't even want to go there. I want to take this still on a week to week basis right now. This team's got it. This, this team's got to start doing more offensively, period. I mean, I, and I understand Kenny's left a lot, a lot of yards on the table and, and, and all like that. But, but even as good as this team played yesterday, I mean, he still didn't hit the 400 yard mark and all like that. They're not, you know, not, they did do a better job at third downs or not, not controlling time of possession nearly as much or leaving some red zone trips, uh, uh, out there, uh, as well. Uh, this is an all, I mean, it's not just Canada. And we, we've said that quite a bit over the last couple of weeks as well, too. I let, I, I don't even want to speculate right now. This team's got to get in the playoffs and win a playoff game before I feel better about anything. Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, I agree with the point. I think Canada has not been an issue at least the last two games, but there's still a body of work and overall production standpoint. And I'm I mean, second again, and 10 runs get me fired up still. Yeah. yeah. No, I hear you on that. Um, again, we, we don't have to, we don't need to decide these things now. You know, we're going to have the whole season to play out and then we can talk about it afterwards. So, so much could change positively or negatively going forward. And so understand the point. I, I still think it's pretty unlikely that Canada returns in 2024, barring some sort of dramatic turnaround or winning a playoff game, as Dave said. But um, there's no need to uh, to really have a, a answer in pen right now. Look, uh, don't leave. There were more there. I, I will say this about this game versus the game against Jacksonville. There were more plays out there to be made. You know, we talked about that. The Steelers did leave, leave some plays on the field in that Jacksonville game. Right. And, and Kenny uh, missing some throws and all like mm -hmm. that. Uh, but that maybe there weren't 
many more plays to be made past that. Uh, it felt like there were more plays to be made, and they made some of them in this game. Now, obviously, execution plays a lot into that. They executed uh, a lot better at certain points throughout this game. But uh, I, I'm, I'm not going to dare go out on the limb and say, "Oh, yeah, he, you know, he's a lot to come back." Or, or uh, I, I'm, I'm with you. I tend to think he's more still on the outs uh, than the ends at this point. Yeah, and I bet you the reader probably thinks that as well, just maybe posing the question of, hey, you know, Canada is actually doing some decent things here. The offense is not executing. If that continues or if the offense can actually execute and the play calls stay stay as they are, you know, competent, could that open the door for a return? That's probably the way the question's being right. being framed. But again, let's just see how this thing plays out. Hi, right, Alex. Uh, I got to uh, cut you free so you can get some work done. And me too uh, here on, uh, on a short sleep. Uh, night and all like that and, so, and, and check out real quick my terrible take today it's not about the game it's a very dumb idea but i love this idea and i think i think the nfl should uh should adopt what i'm what i'm trying to sell them right now all right uh we'll we'll look if we can buy that maybe we'll <laughs> talk about it uh on let's see on the monday show so we're gonna watch a lot of football and uh look thank you for everybody that visits the site uh, uh truly some great numbers going on there and, and listenership obviously as well too we wouldn't do all this if, if if people weren't reading and listening so uh uh shout out to everybody and, and sorry we couldn't get to all the emails uh we'll try to hit back on 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 a larger swath of these things uh on 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 monday when we get back together here so uh you can follow me on Twitter at Steeders Depot. Follow Alex on Twitter at Alex underscore Kazora. Follow the show at Terrible Podcast. Email the show, theterriblepodcast at gmail.com. If you like what we do and want to donate to the cause, SteedersDepot.com. Hit the donate button up right navigational bar. Also, if you'd like an ad-free version of the site, SteedersDepot.com, uh, and, 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 and look for the ad-free button. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, enjoy the W. Uh, enjoy the victory uh, Friday. Have a safe weekend. And as always, thanks for listening to the Terrible Podcast with Dave and Alex.